Welcome to the Redheaded Preacher Podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. This message is called The Stewardship Advisor. And it is a stewardship sermon, but it's quite different from most you've heard. And uh, this is a sermon in which I play a character named Alvin. And the texts are Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 through 6, and Mark 10, 17 through 31, read by our lector Richard Schneider. Rich is a former president of St. Peter's, currently serving on the Board of Trustees. Before uh, launching into the service, or excuse me, the sermon and the scriptures before, please join me in the spirit of prayer. Jesus, Word made flesh. Jesus, your sermon of God to us. We thank you for giving us this opportunity through time and technology and the gift of the Word to offer this. We ask your blessing on those who hear and those who think about it after they hear it that you may be praised. In the name and for the sake of Christ, the head of the church, we pray. Amen. And here we go with Rich Schneider reading our scriptures and the stewardship advisor. That first reading I mentioned is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the first six verses. You may be familiar with the first verse, but the ones that follow are equally thought-provoking. Send out your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will get it back. Divide your means seven ways, or even eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. When clouds are full, they empty rain on the earth, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Whoever observes the wind will not sow, and whoever regards the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know how the breath comes to the bones in the mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, do not let your hands be idle. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This ends the reading from Ecclesiastes. Our second and final reading for this morning is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Let us receive these verses as challenging, teaching words of hope. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for, the, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for then, for, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God. But not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Here ends the reading from the gospel and the scripture for today's service. May God add to us a joyous and wise understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. Hello, everyone. I want to thank those responsible for inviting me here to speak with you about stewardship. Stewardship from the point of view of some Bible passages. I'm a practical guy, not so much a spiritual advisor as a well-rounded expert on stewardship. My name is Alvin. Yes, Alvin. I know what some of you are thinking or hearing in your head, so let's get this out of the way. If any of you want to say out loud, and I mean loud, what your memory plus instinct is telling you to yell when you heard my name is Alvin, as in how Dave, the leader of the chipmunks, used to say my name, let it fly now. <laughs> I can't go on with that here. Okay, now two of the Bible passages we have today. I like the one from Ecclesiastes a lot more than the one in Mark. So let's start with Ecclesiastes. Um, I look at what we have here as investment advice, even a philosophy of investing to a point. Ready? Here we go. If you have a mobile or digital version of the bulletin, I encourage you to find the scriptures at the end so you can follow along better because I'm going to single out some verses. It begins, send out your bread upon the waters for after many days you'll get it back. If you have bread, that is, money, if you have it to invest, 
invest it. Put it out there wisely. He recommends we put it into something with a guaranteed return. But unless you're willing to wait for a very long time, or if you strike gold in what equities you invest in, this cannot be promised. You know the phrase. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. So yes to sending your bread upon the waters metaphorically in investments if you can. Not likely that all of what you send out there will come back to you in dividends, stock splits, or doubling the value of the investment. I just, I'm not that optimistic. I'm not saying that it cannot happen, but it sounds more like a promise than the advice of the first half of the sentence, send it out there. When you get promises, as you invest, when getting advice for investments, watch out for those promises. But, if you can, invest. Cast it out upon the waters. Do something with your resources. They don't even have to be financial, or they may only shrink. Of course, there's no guarantee of that either. Investments are no guarantee of making any profits. Well, let's move on. Divide your means seven ways or even eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen upon the earth. To me, that means if you have a portfolio of investments, diversify it. Seven or even eight ways, he said. Do not put all your eggs in one basket. In the stock market, that can mean having some of your stocks in the emerging markets, some in blue chips, and others in companies that either you know have a good track record of return and that are part of trends of what's going on in the world. That means maybe healthcare or pharmaceutical companies are a good investment now, or entertainment. Have a blend. That includes bonds, by the way, and not stocks or egg futures alone though I wouldn't advise bonds right now. For you guys here in church, I imagine you'd also want to engage in what's called socially responsible investments, such as avoiding companies or conglomerates that make weapons or really pollute the earth, but instead to promote green or renewable energy development. I remember your pastor told the story of his graduating seminary class's stewardship committee. After raising pledges from classmates to be paid over 10 years, they wanted to get assurances from that seminary's board of trustees that their class gift investment, which would be managed for 10 years prior to maturity, it would not be invested in making armaments or in companies doing business with apartheid South Africa. The trustees refused. And the gift wasn't pledged for 10 years of deposits and management by the seminary with zero strings attached. So when you divide your means, seven or even eight ways, if and when you diversify, you may want to check what those firms do. You guys might want to do that. You also, of course, have to know what you want out of any investments you, can, you may make. Do you want to generate revenue? Is it going to be income? Or are you in for long-term growth? Are you garnishing any dividends into a money market so there's liquidity? Or are you reinvesting them into your portfolio, etc.? You have to know what you want to do if you're going to invest. What do you want to have happen? So check out some of the rest while I try to wrap up Ecclesiastes 4, 11, excuse me, verse 4. Whoever observes the wind will not sow. And whoever regards the clouds 
will not reap. You know what that means. Don't get caught too long in the paralysis of analysis. Act. Yes, there is something to be said for learning and waiting and sitting on what you have and counting on slow growth, of course. But that is not guaranteed safety from risk or loss. You remember the crash and recession of 2007, 08, 09, how so many lost in their investments and in their retirement accounts, whether they acted or stayed put. My stewardship advice acknowledges the value of writing bad times out, that there will be a bounce or something bad, but it will eventually come up again if you can wait. And so you're not doing anything. But Matthew 23 also tells you and me in that parable of the talents, that doing nothing with what God gives you does not end well for you. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hands be idle. For you do not know which will prosper this or that, or whether both alike will be good. What I hear there is what I just said. Act. Take opportunities, advantages as they come to you. Work. Send your bread upon the waters, and don't worry about what time it is. You could also see it as have some faith. Stewardship is an active faith, and is not meant to be very passive all the time. Now, sticking with this verse, in the morning sow your seed, at evening don't let your hand be idle, we think of work as happening mostly during the day. In the morning sow your seed. This verse then urges us to seek opportunities for good stewardship outside that normal framework we're probably used to, like not letting your hand go idle at night. Do not compartmentalize your stewardship or times to act or to invest your resources. Be flexible. Be ready to work or learn. Pay attention to your regular times for those things that that will benefit you or benefit your church. But also what's happening outside your usual times and maybe that's where you find opportunities. That that's a shift of thinking. Because we're not always talking about money when we talk about stewardship. Seek or be aware of non-compartmentalized has to be, you know, before 5 o'clock or something like that. Be aware of non-compartmentalized activities or opportunities, I mean, in time and in place. I hope this enlightens you. I'm not so sure our look at Mark will. You heard Mr. Schneider read the story. As he was setting out on a journey, it starts, and that means the journey to Jerusalem. A fellow runs up to him and asks Jesus, what must he do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus brings up the commandments. The guy has obeyed them all. But something must be bugging him, right? To ask for some kind of confirmation or clarification. And Jesus looked at him with love. But then he brought the hammer down. You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. My heavens. Well, of course he did. Wouldn't you, if someone said that to you, if Jesus said that to you? Where where are those words in the Torah? 
He's followed the commandments. He's been a good dude. Even Jesus looks at him with love. What's the problem? And what kind of stewardship advice is that? Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What happened to the Jewish practice of tithing per the Old Testament, giving 10%? No, he said, sell what you own, and don't keep your money, but give it away to the poor. There's a dubious investment plan. Then come, follow Jesus, who once said he did not have any place to lay his head. You'll have treasure in heaven, he said. Remember what I told you about promises. The disciples were shocked, too. They should have been. In those days, the popular Jewish morality held that prosperity was a sign of of a good person. Wealth was a proof of excellence in character and of favor with God, they thought at that time. Do righteous things, God will bless you. God will bless you with riches, with safety. It's a theology right out of the book of Deuteronomy. And books influenced by Deuteronomy. The disciples are stunned then at Jesus saying, not once but twice, how difficult it will be for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God or have eternal life. Easier to put a camel through the eye of a needle, he said, and that's ludicrously impossible. Then the twelve come up with their experience. We've already left everything and followed you. It's like, so what's going to become of us? If they can't be saved because, you know, morality, if you do good, you know, you're in. We heard Jesus say, okay, that they'll have new and bigger families if they keep following him. The family of the expanding or soon to be expanding church, I guess. A hundredfold, he promised, in the coming age, eternal life. Oh, also, and being persecuted for following him is part of the deal, too. Oh, goody. I don't want to disrespect Jesus. I get that he's super important to you. But here he's crazy. To me, he's crazy. That's horrible stewardship. It's terrible advice to good people. I don't care You know, if he did then say to the disciples about the hardship of wealthy persons entering the kingdom. For mortals, that's impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Does that matter to you? Is that enough for you? Do you believe that? Stewardship advice is what I offer, and I know that things then are not like the way they are now. Leave your family and property then, follow Jesus instead, and you'll probably be all right in your old age and even right away because they had extended families that were multi-generational and not so mobile. It's not like today where families are often going to if they stick around, they're, they're, they're more likely to move. If you have a family, it's not where they're going to be sticking around and be younger and healthier and have, and have, they're, they're going to be, have their own families and, and you know, may not be available to help you. They move out of state or they have their own families to provide for and care for. So in their place now are several for-profit industries that line up to take your money or to help you or me while we age and are less able to get around and do for ourselves. So unlike those days when society had built-in retirement care by families, you and I probably don't have that. We might, and thank God. 
but some have to build up if they can if their situation allows them to to build up money for retirement for maybe a long life people didn't live that long those days either so it's important i'm triggered to ask by what jesus said looking thinking about our time and not their time being able to retire in some kind of control or to be super generous to a fault give your riches to those on the bottom follow jesus your whole life and trust god will take care of you in your golden years i take the former wouldn't you now i've read that in your protestant tradition there's a more symbolic approach to this passage now it takes this teaching applies it to all disciples so it's not just then it's for all time but no longer takes jesus literally and this point of view says its spiritual meaning is that you must root out of your lives whatever may hinder your following jesus like anger or lust or pride or greed or selfishness together with whatever practices pertain to them but i think the tension in this radical story the tension resists being resolved in any way that takes away its pressure on disciples with regards to wealth and i mean wealth not income after you've done your best to make this story say something less upsetting to our system of values jesus i think still looks intently and continues quietly to affirm that life is to be had not by accumulating things, but by disencumbering yourselves. Contrary to dominant voices in culture, this Mark story preaches the good news that the way to be really rich is to die to wealth. Do you believe that? Not me. I respect taking this story seriously, not taking an easy out. That's whack. Jesus wants, I think, Jesus wants his followers to figure out their relationship to riches if they have riches or think they might one day. I remember Jesus once said that his people cannot serve both God and mammon or possessions. Serve one or the other. But do you really think that having lots of money keeps you from following Jesus? From trusting God completely? I mean... Think about who we're talking about. Jesus was whipped, was crucified, rose from the dead, but is giving up wealth so that is not your God worth it in order to love and follow him. Whether that's a prerequisite for that young man or the guy in Mark or a consequence of someone who comes to faith. Is it? Is this how people free themselves from hurdles to following? Is this how one shows their faith if they're not too attached to things, how then they're able to follow? That's a real transformation. Jesus does then come first. Well, that's too much to ask if you ask me. But you, is it too much to ask of you? Thank you for your time. Well, wasn't that a different kind of stewardship message? I hope you found meaning in it. Maybe it gave you something to think about, and maybe something more than just something to think about. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And if, uh, as I've said before, if you like what you hear, tell someone else.
And we are going to be back next week, but I can't tell you what the scriptures are going to be. I haven't chosen them yet. This is summertime, and I'm a little less structured when it comes to the lectionary or something else. So thank you again for tuning in, and may God bless your week. Amen. Bye.